Welcome to the Student of the Game podcast, where we break down the lives, strategies, and advice of successful individuals who are students of their own game and masters of their own craft. My name is Tim Stone. My co-hosts are Nick Galbraith and Ian Cushing. Let's get ready to learn and grow. My name is Nick Galbraith with my co-host, Tim Stone, and we have the pleasure to have on our podcast, Renato Giramel. Um, pleasure being here, man. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, thanks for coming. Yeah, so I met Renato a few weeks ago at a Grant Cardone event down in Miami, and he's got an awesome story. He's all into real estate, and he would love to just come on this podcast and uh, tell the students, you know, what he's learned. So thank you, Renato, for being here. And if you don't mind, let's just go ahead and jump into your story. We like to start the podcast from everything before the college years leading up to the college years, and then we'll stop there and maybe dive a little bit deeper. Would you mind doing that? Awesome. Sounds good. Yeah, that'd be great. So my All background, right. uh, you know, talking a little bit about me, um, I grew up in Brazil. Uh, so Sao Paulo, Brazil, pretty big, uh, pretty big city. But my basically my family has a construction company down there. And that's kind of a little bit how my real estate uh, came about. So I grew up as a little kid uh, in Brazil. Uh, my family have a construction company. They so they build uh, multifamily communities uh, in Brazil. The multifamily sector is not really there, but they they basically build these communities and they sell as condos. So some of the some of the buildings they you know rent it out and then they start selling them off as condos. Uh, so that's kind of how I started. Just you know grew up into that, uh, and of course the business grew tremendously as I was growing up. So I, I got the opportunity to see some. Uh, pretty incredible construction projects going on uh, right now. They build mainly high rises, uh, so 20 stories and up, uh, so fairly large construction buildings. Um, and that was a blessing for me. But uh, but I didn't want to stay in Brazil because I knew that I would have, you know, I had more capability of grow uh, if I move away. So in high school, I decided to go to ex to be an exchange student, and that's kind of how I kind of fell into to being in the U.S. You know, freedom was always a big thing for me. And I knew that, you know, just growing up in Brazil, the freedom was not exactly there. Um, I had came to U.S. a couple of times, like Disney, you know, the typical like vacation from an international uh, little kid. And I got super amazed of, you know, everything's big here. There's so much opportunity. And I was like, I got to, you know, do something different. Uh, so I was 14 years old. I decided to, hey, I got to jump in and try to basically get a seat on, on a U.S. school. So that's kind of how I came here. I came here first for international student uh, in a in a high school, and then from there I was like, I gotta find my way to stay here, and college was a way for me to do that. Um, so I ended up going to to be in a construction uh, environment. So I got my uh, basically a civil engineering degree. It's it's called architectural engineering. So I got specialties in electrical and and a little bit of civil. Uh, structural side so that's kind of how i i got into the multifamily from from construction till now and uh mm -hmm. you know i always thought that construction was you know a, it was the way for me to to really be within the multifamily community um, yeah so that's a little awesome. bit of background in a nutshell yeah so a lot of times we don't hear people that know, you know, from the time that they're a child that they want to stay in real estate. You know, a lot of people, maybe their parents invest in real estate or a family member, and then they sort of figured out along the way. But it sounds like you, you know, like you went to college knowing this is my path to get into it. And then, um, so what, what kind of jobs did you get into out of college or what did your situation look like? Did you just go straight into becoming an entrepreneur and doing business or did you pick up some construction jobs? No. So, yeah. So construction was always my passion. You know, I, I love to see things being built. Um, but there is, you know, everywhere in real estate, there's so many ways of making money. You know, construction is one of them. But, you know, there's different sectors, Airbnb, multifamily, whatnot. Um, because I was international, I thought that, you know, college was the way for me to really grow. And then um, and I needed to learn more of how the process kind of happened here in the US because that was different than in Brazil. And of course, I didn't have any connections here, you know, for the majority of my time. I mean, when I moved here, I know I knew no English. Like I came to school here. I basically knew nothing of English uh, and I was forcing to learn English within the next, you know, 
four to six months, that's when I started getting the hand of it. Uh, but I didn't have anybody. So I was like, okay, college is going to be my way to basically my gap for me to get somewhere. Um, so graduating right after graduation, um, I basically got an engineering degree uh, doing um, development for, for multifamily, uh, a lot of hospitality and hospitals as well. So I started by doing basically design drawings, you know, for this kind of facilities. And I started looking at multifamily buildings and uh, that was really kind of became my passion just because of the potential that there is in there. Uh, so I kept asking, hey, can I work more on, on multifamily buildings? So I worked on that for seven years. Um, and, the, you know, the last like year and a half to two years, uh, basically all I did was multifamily. Um, so just multifamily design and a lot of electrical within multifamily and then a lot of the technology stuff as well, which right now they call like the tech packages and all that. So I, I did a lot of that from the from the back end kind of thing. That's awesome. Uh, Renato, I guess um, just kind of backing up a little bit um, from moving from Brazil to the United States, not knowing any English, kind of submerging yourself in a new environment. It doesn't sound like any any family was in the United States, States at the time. You just kind of came over here and just kind of figured things out. What were some struggles that you've had um, just kind of coming to the United States? And I mean, it seems like you just had your mindset yeah. on construction and I'm going to get in this field. What were some yeah. struggles? You had with communication and um, you know growing growing your network and um, just going from there. Yeah, man. Whenever I you know whenever I came in here uh, in high school, it was like the the main struggle was really the language. First of all, I had no idea what was going on <laughs> for the you know for the good of like three to four months. It was like you know trying to get food basically. Uh, yeah. I had a host family. But uh, but it was a lot of like, you know, mimic and, and like just trying to figure out my ways. Um, so that was a struggle there. Uh, but of course, like I, I like everything in life, as soon as you start doing more and more, you just, you know, kind of learn from it. Um, and then afterwards, you know, it was really trying to figure out a way for me to stay here because mm -hmm. I liked it here so much. I saw the potential. Um, I wanted to, you know, create relationships and, and things like that. But I all I was always seen as like, the guy from outside, uh, just because I didn't know, you know, I didn't know the, what I did every day for most of my life back then was different than, you know, what a high school student here, you know, was doing on a day to day. So I kind of had to learn their, you know, what people like to do, what, you know, so I created like a relationship. Mm -hmm. So that was definitely, a, you know, a mind shift that I had to do and, and just, you know, learn the steps and, creating a creating community. I think just getting into groups was the main, you know, I, you know, growing up, I was very, I was very like shy as, as a person. Yeah. So it was hard for me to get into different communities. But as soon as I figured out, okay, hey, I can be in a real estate club like you guys have, you know, I can be on all these different clubs within, you know, the community or within school and just creating relationships, which is, you know, real estate is all about relationships. The more relationships that you create, um, you are able to get better deals. You're able to, you know, nobody closes a real estate deal that is worth something by themselves. You know, they're going to need a loan. They're going to need to have the relationship. They're going to need to, you know, find a partner. They're going to need somebody to manage. It's all about relationships. And uh, it was a struggle in the beginning, just as a, like a day-to-day -day relationship building. But uh, but in real estate, is you know, it's a lot about those things that you learn in life is, you know, let's create these different relationships because, you know, together we can get way better deals than we can by, by ourselves. Absolutely. And what were some of those groups that you've, um, that you kind of submerged yourself in, you know, going through high school and college, um, any like particular groups that you wound up in or, um, uh, some it? interesting ones was, uh, you know, I was always interested in investment. So, yeah. um, I had, a a guy actually from Brazil in my school, the only other guy from Brazil that came to, to my college um he created like an investment club so i got into cool. that club and learned a little bit of investments uh and that's kind of how i like i like real estate way better now <laughs> because i knew more about other types of investments uh you know as soon as you step out of your your comfort zone you kind of learn something else like or you learn to like what you know better or you learn other perspectives which is always mm -hmm. good so that was an interesting one um 
and then I was always fan of like extreme sports and different things like that. Uh, so those are some of the clubs that I got, you know, really good friends with. And, and um, you know, to today, I really like some of those, some of those things. And even in real estate, there's some clubs like that, that, um, you know, they go up beyond your comfort zone. Like instead of you going to, instead of you going to like a, uh, like a conference or something that you know sit down have a presentation kind of thing you take a trip um, you have more like a easygoing environment you create better relationships right so i really like yeah. doing those even within like my- secret acts secret acts exactly yeah That's yeah we had a we had david on the podcast i think it, i think it was the last episode that we filmed and he mentioned secret acts so i think he's wearing a hat that said it uh you want to talk a little bit about it i know it's a um, invite only but it's a really cool thing that yeah, he does nice. for yeah i i got the hat sitting around as well so secret x mm-hmm. is pretty incredible um yeah david is the the guy that puts it together um within a lot within a couple other guys as well but yeah i mm-hmm. learned a, you know i got to know a lot of good people through secret x is basically you know like i was saying different than the everyday uh conference that you go to we just you know we go somewhere in the planet <laughs> and we have no idea what's going to happen uh we know that's a bunch of entrepreneurs uh go-getters kind of people uh because they kind of vet those people out right uh they want people that are going to be willing to provide value to other people and that's really what it's about you know creating the relationships um so they choose a location we go to that location and we have no idea what's going to happen that's why it's secret experience right um but they create experiences that we are able to come together and kind of create a relationship within the trip. So in a regular, you know, in a regular environment, like a, you know, sit down conference, you don't really get to know the person on a, on a personal level. And that's what this trip kind of does to you. You know, you end up really getting to know people and on a personal level. And it's, it's better to do business with people that you know personally than with that, than people that you don't know. And, Kind of how it come about yeah. so it's a, it's a great experience if you have a chance to go i'll definitely recommend that one yeah they say you, you do business with people that you know like and trust exactly yeah exactly. and the first step is to know each other <laughs> exactly <laughs> absolutely and um just just kind of pointing out something about um i just kind of realized from you renato it's just the the habits that you created with the certainty of i'm gonna go over the united states figure this out go to college you know, get something in construction and also, um, and also being comfortable, being uncomfortable. And that's just wired in your mind. That's a habit that you just consistently can, can go about. And just with all the listeners listening right now, that is just so, so gold, it's like some gold nuggets right there is being comfortable, being uncomfortable. And, um, I did, what was the first thing I just said that just totally dissipated across my mind? Um, yeah, what I, like what I can, while you catch up on that, but what I can say is that like just growing up from a, in a different country, right? Yeah. Um, you kind of see that, you know, not everything is fun and games, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I grew up in a, like I grew up in a society that is, there's a very large division between like the very poor and the very rich. There's not really, the, the middle class is not really existent or you are like middle, lower class or you're like upper high class kind of thing. So the division is not really there. And, um, you know, I was kind of in that thing, in that middle class, but that's something that is disappearing there. So it was like, I really have to learn to become uncomfortable so that I can, you know, go beyond that. And it's, uh, you know, it's a society that's, it's hard for you to get connections. It's it's, it's not the same as here that people are open to, to teaching you, you know. The podcast community is not really there. There's not... You know, there's not you guys trying to put con- like amazing content out there to teach other people. Hey, let's uh, let's come together and learn from one another, kind of thing. You know, so that's kind of, that's kind of how it came together. But I don't know if you remember your thoughts there. Yeah, and I was just kind of you know we say the um, the habit of of certainty. You just you know the certain that you're gonna figure things out. I mean, I think that's so important. Um, so again, all the listeners listening, that's that's amazing stuff and. Uh, because um, I guess just kind of continuing your story, Renato, of kind of what you're doing now, um, 
through your different ventures that uh, you're doing through construction and the multifamily um, development. Is that was that correct? Multifamily development is kind of what you're focusing on right now. But so, left so I went to so I went to school for engineering, right? Mm -hmm. And um, what I whenever I graduated, so I worked on that kind of I worked through a company that did basically uh, the drawings for multifamily development, as well as like hospitality um, and hospitals as well. Right now, what I basically do is I work with, um, I have a fund that we work with international investors mainly. There's some, some US investors as well, but we're trying to get the word out there, you know, because I grew up there, I know that this kind of environment is not available there. So we are giving the opportunity for people to invest in assets here. So it's basically, you know, a way for, they don't have to invest in every, every day, what's every day available in Brazil, but otherwise we can teach them about, you know, how real estate works here and um, have them pass living invest here, you know, in an easy, in an easy way. Yeah. So you're, you're doing something that has pretty much never been done for the people of Brazil, like a new opportunity. And there's a quote, the, the quote says, don't be afraid to suck at something new. And it sounds like that's been you know, the, like the story of your life. Everything you've been doing is something new that, you know, like whatever, like you're not good at English when you when you came to America, like that's just part of it. And if you were afraid, like, oh, you know, I don't speak the language. I don't know how I'm going to communicate. Maybe you would have never come. Maybe you would have never had the same opportunities. So like the quote says, don't be afraid to suck at something new because you just learn and you get better. And, and that's just like, that's the, the thing I keep seeing in your story is that you're doing something new that's never been done and you're finding success in it and you're bringing opportunities and bring opportunities to other people because you're the first person that wasn't afraid to suck at it and to learn and to become good at it. Is that, is that something that sort of goes along with what you've experienced? Yeah, exactly. Like what I, you know, comes back to when Nick and you guys were, you know, talking about, um, you know, I always, I ask myself, like, what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, mm -hmm. like whenever I was moving here, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, the worst thing, I'm just going to go back to where I was, you know, or it's going to become better or it's going to be the same. You know, you're never going to, if you mm -hmm. actually, there's, there's a saying that says, you know, if you don't quit, you never fail. So it's kind of, you know, go back to the same thing. Hey, if you don't do something, you're already failing by not doing it. Mm -hmm. Right? So, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? I always, I try to ask that myself every day. And, uh, you know, what, what can I do today that it's going to propel me a little bit further? Absolutely. I just want to throw a little quote out there by Wayne Gretzky. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. <laughs> <laughs> it's so yeah. true. Yeah, you know, like, uh, and th there's a thing that Grant Cardone says in his sales training. And um, a couple of days ago, I was I was trying to make a sale over the phone, and Chris Albert was sitting next to me, and he thought it thought it was hilarious. But I just went really hard for the clothes, and the dude just, you know, w he was not ready to pay for it. But I was like, you can't hit a home run if you don't swing, you know. <laughs> like that that's just how it is. Like you can't hit a home run if you don't swing. You can't make the shot if you don't take it. So that's just, um, you learn a lot of lessons from that quote as often as it is said, you know, a lot of times quotes become pretty cliche because people say them so much, but the reason people say them so much is because they're so true. You know, like you do miss every shot you don't take because you, you'll never score. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, maybe it's a little bit cliche, but let that sink in and like, how, what does that actually represent to you? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I, I love that quote. You can't hit a home run if you don't swing. And I swung really hard and I uh, struck out, but it was it was a fun experience. <laughs> but I mean, all you, you, you're going to learn from it, right? Uh, oh, yeah. And, if yeah. You, and you, I'll you swing again. Yeah, exactly. And may, you know, maybe the guy, you, you're, not, you're not losing anything by doing it. You nope. know, the guy's not going to. You can always do it again. No, I've, I've been on the phone with that guy since. We'll, we'll close him. I just got to keep swinging. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so Renato, so kind of getting in, um, I mean, to your amazing opportunity that you're bringing to um, your country of uh, uh, Brazil. Um, I guess 
you know, raising money from international investors and kind of coming to the United States, what are you investing, I guess, targeting in the United States uh, actively right now? So right now we're looking mainly at multifamily. Uh, okay. So the reason I, I right now I live in the I live in the Midwest, but my, mm -hmm. my goal is to move to Florida. Uh, so we're actually planning that pretty soon here. Uh, so we're targeting Florida mainly because Brazilians are comfortable with Florida. Uh, most of you know there's a lot of Brazilians in Florida Brazilians yeah. travel to Florida so it's a it's an easy environment to to basically sell them right because because uh, that's what they know mostly about um, and I just love I just love how Florida is uh, you know growing so much there's so much uh, population growth there and uh, a lot of opportunity there so we're targeting uh, large multifamily complexes so 100 plus units uh, so that we can provide this value to Brazilians, basically. Um, and then partnering with people that are already in the market, uh, not necessarily in the Florida market, but in the multifamily market, that you know we can come together and, and buy multifamily deals. So we have not closed anything in Florida yet, but there's a couple of things that are very close there. Uh, can't announce them yet specifically, but there's uh, there's some, some nice hitters in there. And, I just, uh, you know, I just love the multifamily market. That's, you know, when I was in, when I was in engineering uh, on my W2 job, right now I'm not anymore, but when I was there, you know, I, uh, I invested a little bit of my own money into this kind of syndication setups. And uh, I started looking at the value and that's kind of how I learned how multifamily is so valuable. You know, um, you have the potential of really, choosing your appreciation right based on rents and NOI. Um, so that's an incredible thing that you you know you quite you quite don't see on any other type of investment you know on any other type of investments really mm. uh, and i got fascinated by that and uh by investing on it myself i kind of you know learned throughout the process uh with other syndicators and i was like hey i gotta do that on my own and i I really got to bring that to Brazil because people don't have the opportunity to, you know, invest in anything like that there. Um, and right now there's, they really cannot invest in anything here either. You know, a lot of people buy property in Florida, but they buy single family and then they rent out as an Airbnb, which generally speaking is a great opportunity. Uh, but if you think about that, they're, you know, 5,000 miles away. If something happens to the Airbnb here, it's not really like, Hey, I'm across the street. I can just, you know, or a quick flight away, I can kind of figure things out there pretty far away. And what happens is that they end up usually leaving uh, those houses with property management, that kind of thing. It's not a very well-managed um, multifamily would just be a way for them to be completely passive, which is really what they want. You know, Most Brazilians don't want to be active because they're so far away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And could you talk a little bit about the logistics of raising capital internationally? Because I'd imagine it may get a little tricky or maybe it's a little different than doing it from U.S. investors. What's that look like? Yeah, it's a little bit a little bit different. Um, I don't know how much you guys in the audience knows about the difference, you know, SEC regulations and all that kind of thing. So um, mm -hmm. there's definitely different SEC regulations. So the most common in U.S. is like five. I'm not an attorney or anything like that, so don't don't quote me in specific on these things. Uh, but uh, there's different, you know, the most used here, like 506B, 506C, which is for accredited and non-accredited investors. For international investors, it's a very similar kind of regulation, right? Uh, but it's called Reg S. So that allows you to basically raise money, uh, raise capital from international investors. Um, you, you, like Generally speaking, they do not have to be accredited. But there's some interesting things when it comes to taxes because there's some taxes you have to hold for them because they're not technically, you know, citizens of U.S. Um, so that, you know, that's a way of them doing that. Uh, the other way is really figuring out a way for a lot of them. They want to have money in U.S. because they come so much here. Usually whenever you're talking about people that want to invest in Brazil, uh, from Brazil, they have some type of, you know, they have quite a bit of money they they're willing to invest so they want to have a bank account here they want to have kind of money here because they travel here pretty often um, so it's really about teaching them about this opportunity and that they can actually as international investors have a bank account here um, and they can invest that way as well okay so there's so one of my but 
it gets a little yeah. bit too nitty gritty. <laughs> okay, thank you. One of my favorite parts of the podcast is when a term or a definition comes up that we haven't talked about on a previous episode. So you mentioned accredited investors. Would you mind explaining for the audience the definition of an accredited investor? Yeah, definitely. So, um, so accredited investors, um, for you to be an accredited investor, you basically have to have a net worth of above a million dollars, um, or you have to have as a single person, a revenue of, uh, at least 200,000, or if you're married 300,000, um, and that revenue we have had, you have had to have that for the past two years, if I believe. If I think I think that's correct. Don't quote me on that. Yeah, but. I think so. Uh, so, what is the reason that they distinguish between accredited and non-accredited investors, and why are there two separate ways to raise money between those? Yeah. So the different um, SEC regulations, um, you know, what they they divide between accredited and non-accredited, just because uh, the way the the way the regulation is written, like you have to. Uh, you know, follow the rules of the SEC, uh, but uh, non-accredited. Uh, whenever you do non-accredited investors, you cannot uh, go out and advertise. Uh, and in an accredited, you can just go out and advertise. It's basically to protect investors. Uh, that's mm -hmm. what it was created for. So it, it technically is a lower risk investment. Uh, that's at least it's what it's what it's told for all investors. Hey, it's a, it's a lower risk investment whenever it's for non-accredited. That's not necessarily mm -hmm. true, uh, but that's that's what the SEC um, follows, you know, guides. Uh, if you are opening up a fund or if you have interest in opening up a fund, I highly recommend, you know, talking to, uh, to a lawyer, to an SEC attorney, because uh, they are going to really be able to tell you, like, which way you should go one way or another. Um, because there's a lot of, like, nitty-gritty aspects of it and, and you really should know what you're doing before you just jump and do it that's uh yeah awesome yeah the the way i see it like the sec really just wants to protect the non-accredited investors because in their eyes if you have a net worth of a million dollars or if you make over two hundred thousand three hundred thousand a year you should be a little bit smarter with money in theory um, but if you're not making that much money, like losing it all would be much more devastating than it would be to an accredited investor who should be, should be like, those are the keywords should be a little more sophisticated as far as money and investments go. Uh, so it's just a little, uh, differentiation to, uh, protect people is what it is. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. they just want to protect people, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of large organizations behind it as well. So take mm -hmm. it with great salt, I would say. <laughs> learn, yeah. learn a lot about it. There's a lot of... Uh... And talk to a lawyer. Exactly. Yeah. That is key there. <laughs> um, absolutely. And thank you for breaking that down. And honestly, Renato, if you could even break down the SEC for the audience, because I don't know if we've ever talked about the SEC before um, yeah. on this podcast. Oh, yeah, man. like why? What, what is it? Is it the the football league or what are we talking about? You know? Yeah. <laughs> why is the SEC so important in real estate? Uh, so the this, the SEC is uh, not necessarily a real estate company. It's just based on investments, right? Uh, I'm going to go here what it actually stands for because I don't even remember. Uh, SEC. I believe it's the Securities and Exchanges Commission. But That's go ahead and Google it in case I'm wrong. Exactly. Yeah. No, you're right. Securities and Exchange Commission. So they basically regulate, um, you know, all different uh, different type of investment that's going on. So if you have a public company, you basically have to file with the SEC. So if you invest in a public company, and look at like SEC. Every single public company is going to have like an SEC, um, um, like an SEC description, basically. That's mm -hmm. gonna you how you're investing and all that kind of stuff um, but within real estate you can have uh, exemptions and that's kind of how what we follow whenever we whenever we are filing to to have an SEC exemption um, to raise money for real estate awesome yeah thank you for thank you for explaining that Renato and uh, going back to um, you know creating personal experiences like uh, the um, secret X 
the Secret X group. And when you're talking about um, just talking with other syndicators and just making that personal connection with the individual, just, you know, just, I mean, creates such a magical relationship and just opens up a wealth of knowledge and so many opportunities from that relationship. Um, and I think you really hit the hammer on the head of just talking about how important it was to create that personal connection um, with people in the same, you know, with the same goals and um, aspirations as you do. So I think that was um, very fascinating. Yeah, I would say relationship, especially, I mean, in anything that you do in life, but especially in real estate, you know, relationship is everything. Uh, you, another like interesting quote, right? Uh, you are the five people you surround yourself with. You know, it's more more like in real estate that if you surround yourself with people that are doing deals, they are looking to the deals, they have similar mindset, you're going to, you know, learn from them and, and become what they are, you know, looking to do. So whenever I'm surrounding myself with people and, and trying to create relationships, I always look in a way as to, you know, how can I provide value to you? You know, there's there's large syndicators that, you know, they may be in a lot of places around the country, but hey, if I can, you know, find a deal to, for them in a different area that they are not necessarily familiar with, or if I can, uh, you know, manage one of their deals, um, you know, if I can be a knowledge whenever they're doing, uh, you know, revamps, like, you know, different, uh, uh, like different construction projects and things like that. Uh, it's just, you know, it's some value that I can provide to them that it's gonna, you know, it's gonna broaden our relationship. And it's, uh, it's really the best way to, for you to get to know them and, and really being able to provide some value and have an exchange basically. Yeah. And last night I was talking to the real estate club about why relationships are so important and what it's because people are so important. And, you know, in everything and specifically in business, because businesses don't make decisions, people make decisions and people run on emotions and you need relationships to sort of get in and, and, you know, and be on their side, like on their side of their emotions, like, Hey, I like this guy, you know, let's work with this guy. Like, that's all it takes is like for a person to decide they like you and they want to work with you. So that's why the relationship is so important because it's people making decisions. And a lot of times people think like there's this big company and this big company would never talk to you. But yeah, the company will never talk to you, but there's people within the company that make all the decisions. And that like, that's how the world works. And I guess sometimes people don't think of it that way, but relationships control everything in business and especially real estate. Like people always say all the time you'll hear, Real estate is a relationship business. And that's why it's because people make decisions and people run on relationships and people run on emotions. And that's just, that's a way that the world works. But I guess everybody doesn't realize that. And people need a reminder or people need to be taught that, you know, that's how it is. That's how business goes. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you know, in your everyday life, you, you can never imagine who are you really around with, you know? The person, like mm -hmm. your neighbor can be a great relationship for you to, you know, maybe he's in real estate. Like you have no idea mm -hmm. unless you go and talk to them, you know. Uh, that's why people join this kind of groups because they, you know, creating those relationships, you, that's how you're going to, you know, get to, you know, the nicer, like the nicer job, the nicer, that's how you're going to be able to find the, you know, the guy that represents a certain company. Because like, just like you mm -hmm. said, you know, there's, people that make decisions not you know there's a lot of people behind companies and it's really you're really like a couple you're a couple people away from wherever you want to go you know there's exactly always, um it's crazy whenever like you look at linkedin and you're just like hey this person knows this person that you can get to this person that you want to know it's mm -hmm. just a matter of creating those links yeah, and, and one thing I thought of when you're saying like why the relationships are important to get to where you want, like with your neighbor, like maybe your neighbor's not in real estate, but maybe your neighbor is available to watch your dog while you drive down to Florida to go network and meet people. Like everyone can have an important role and you can do the same thing for them. Like maybe you're in real estate and maybe they don't care about real estate. Like maybe you 
watch their dog while they go do whatever they need to do, spend time with family, work on their business. And, you know, that, that's just, you know, like relationships work that way. Like you could pay someone to watch your dog. You're like, well, I don't want to pay to watch the dog. So I'm just going to stay home this weekend. I'm not going to network. Like, what would that cost you? Or, or just your neighbor that you're friendly with. And they're like, yeah, watch your dog anytime. Like, like, you know, go down to Miami. That, that just having that relationship opens up so many doors, not only just in business, but just to, you know, help each other out and live your life <laughs> supported by the people around you. And you can do so much more with other people's support than you can just by trying to figure it out on your own or by doing nothing because you, you know, don't want to rely on other people. Definitely. Yeah. And if you always go from the, from the ways of like, how can I provide a value? Uh, mm -hmm. you're always gonna, even though you are trying to provide value, like both people are always going to win. So I always approach from, you know, sometimes a lot of people just want to, you know, gain knowledge and it's like, Oh, this person's not for me. But if you always approach from the way of, Hey, how can I provide value to you? Um, you're always going to win something, you know, you're going to win knowledge. You're going to win relationship. There's always something there that you're, but always approach from the way as, you know, how can I provide value to everybody that you surround yourself with? Because they're going to try to risk, you know, they're try to, they're going to try to provide value to you in reciprocity, you know? Absolutely. And just being positive, having that positive energy, just going in any conversation. I mean, just, I mean, it's amazing how brightens someone's day and just completely changes the, that, I mean, the complete outlook of just looking at somebody and having that weird eye-to-eye -eye conversation with just going up and say, hey, my name's Nick. I mean, just starting a relationship and just bringing that positive energy just leads so many directions. And kind of um, changing to that, Tim, unless you had any more questions about strategy, I was kind of going into what were some early struggles um, you had of just, you know, just starting your fund? I mean, talking to um, Brazilian investors, friends and family, you know, friends of family. Um, what were some early struggles and um, that you had with talking and just selling that vision and then coming back over the United States and talking to syndicators? If you could kind of um, elaborate yeah. on that. I know that was a long question, but. Um, yeah, we can kind of elaborate on that a little bit. And yeah. uh, feel free to ask me again if I forget something. But so it's, uh, I mean, like anything that you do, right? Um, you don't know until you start doing it. So the first thing that I it was I didn't know was basically, hey, I don't know about the SEC and what they, you know, why they represent, how I'm going to really get into that, um, you know, how I'm going to do something correct. And as you, you know, heard a little bit before, I still don't know everything. I still don't know exactly, you know, what the SEC stands for. Uh, it's always about, you know, taking that step and learn a little bit along the way. But talking to people and learning from accountants and, and, and uh, attorneys of, you know, how can I do this correctly? That was the first thing, you know, how can I bring this to Brazil and do it properly? Uh, that was definitely something that I didn't know. But then whenever going to the, you know, to the investor side, um, a lot of Brazilians and even, even Americans don't know how to even get started on investing on, you know, multifamily or any real estate by that means. So it's like, because there's so, there's so much noise in the world, there's so, you know, there's a, a lot of different opportunities that people listen to, you know, stock market and, and uh, a bunch of different financial advisors, you know, you got to invest here and you got to invest there. Um, so there's a lot of noise out there. And then really explain to people that, you know, hey, there is a lot of potential in, in this field. Um, if you don't know invest in real estate yet, how does that process really work? You know, if you're going to do by yourself or if you're going to do to a syndicator or, you know, whatever that mean that means to you. It's really about, you know, really explaining to people on a, you know, genuine way as to how they do it, how it's going to, what the process is going to be. And, and really being like an open minded to open minded to people that they can ask questions and they can come to with, um, you know, anything really, because People that are just starting, they have no idea. Because you learn a bunch of things by listening to podcasts and being in clubs, being, uh, you know a lot about real estate, but the people that you're trying to show your vision may not. So you really have to be open to show to them what's possible. Um, and that's a struggle that's, uh, 
I live it every day. <laughs> you know, I try to talk to new investors and like, well, but I can just buy a house. Yeah, you can. <laughs> but there's other ways of investing in real estate too. You know, there's uh, you know, there's Airbnb. There's so there's a lot of there's a lot of noise in general, and it's really you should give a genuine um, advice to people so that they can create um, their own decisions. You know, you should be able to provide what's available and because um, people people are smart enough to create their own decisions, but they don't necessarily have the they don't necessarily have all the the pieces to the puzzle together to to create their decision. You know, so that's definitely my my largest uh, everyday struggle. Just uh, just really teaching people, especially Brazilians, because even the asset class that I'm in, which is multifamily, it's not really existing in Brazil. Um, so there, you can't just go out and buy a multifamily building like you can here. You know, there's so many different apartment complexes here that, you know, people are very familiar with this kind of, even if they're not invested in, maybe they rent from a different complex. Well, that is not really available there. You know, people rent out condos and they rent out houses. Uh, so there's not one single owner of a complex. So just to, just to explain to them that this is possible is a, is definitely a, a good start. And then we can, you know, whenever you start drilling down on like, hey, there's so, mo so much potential in appreciation and cash flow and uh, tax advantages, then you get them lost. So <laughs> you have to go step by step down the, down the way. Mm. Absolutely. And, and what advice would you give to our listeners, Renato, on focusing on your goals and expectations of yourself? Yeah, so, um, I mean, your goals, you're never going to achieve your goals if you don't, do not know what they are. So what I tell people is that I write my goals every day, actually twice a day, whenever I get up and before I go to bed. Like I write my goals as I have accomplished them every single day. Um, because if I know my goals, I have way better chance of me to actually achieving them. So that's, I mean, that's the first step, right? Uh, really sitting down and what do you actually want? Like, I even have a, a thing behind here. I know in the podcast, you guys are not going to be able to see it. But behind my desk, I have a, basically like a goal. Um, I don't know, even know what that's called. It's like, a, it's like a drawing. My wife actually made it for me with like all my visions, basically. Oh, vision board. A vision board, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So she she literally drew for me, you know, what I want, like the jet, the boat, you know, everything that I can possibly, everything that I write down every day on my goals, uh, she drew that for me. So I can, you know, every time I get up and I sit on my desk, um, I can see that. And it becomes very real whenever you see exactly what you want. Mm -hmm. um, so I really like to break it down and like, you know, hey, I want to, you know, have something. I want to be able to, you know, provide to my family. Okay, what does that mean? Yeah. You know, how many different connections I have to do today for me to be able to get there? Um, mm -hmm. But really, the first step is that you figuring out what your goals are um, and really writing them down and, and visualizing that you can do that. Uh, I know there was a second part of the question, and I just uh, lost it there. Yeah. I just I just wanted to say one thing, Renato. So I write down my goals down every day as well. And one thing I've noticed is that I never seem to hit my goals because like once you start writing them down, you very quickly get really close to them. You're like, well, if, I, if I'm hitting it this quickly, I need to raise my goal and raise my goal. And it's like you never hit your goals once you start figuring out what you want and writing them down because they become so achievable. And you're like, well, I need to aim bigger. I need to aim bigger. Is that something that you've sort of run into as you've been writing down your goals? Yeah, I, I you know, as I, um, I always write it down like targets as well, uh, which okay. targets are like that you can get done every day. Um, mm -hmm. But I, you know, I always have been a big believer, like, hey, I got to shoot for the moon kind of thing. So I've always had pretty big goals. So in the beginning time, whenever I started writing my goals, I was kind of that way. Um, you know, I wrote some goals and got them accomplished and I was like, okay, what do I actually want? You know, so now like my goals are pretty big. I mean, I have a, you know, I think I can achieve them, but they're pretty far there. It's going to take some time mm -hmm. <laughs> for me well, to get Renato, 
Renata, we'd love to hear it. And I guess the next question is, what is your end goal? Um, I mean, one of my big things is uh, to provide to people things like that. That's uh, that's my, my everyday goal, right? I achieve that every day. Is I want to provide to people in Brazil of something I did not have the option to to do. You know, if they want to invest in something in the U.S., that's something I want to provide to them. But that's that's an ongoing kind of goal, right? But um, on the big on the bigger picture for me is freedom. You know, I grew up in a place that did not have freedom. So I want to have freedom of place, time, uh, and finances, you know, which is, to me, that's a pretty big, uh, pretty big statement. Because that means I, you know, have to produce a lot. I have to have a jet, for example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, freedom of location. Exactly. So it's, yeah. it's pretty far out there. And uh and it's good because it drives me to to do better and produce every day, you know. Awesome. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, I want to say I can word this right, but uh, what is your favorite um, biggest mistake you've made? I, I think there's a little more to that question, but we're gonna roll with it. My favorite biggest mistake. That's a good one. Uh, I mean, I have a lot of mistakes. That's for sure. Uh, I think my biggest one was to probably never like to be out there. Um, I very recently have been more tried to be out there, like being in this podcast, right? Uh, probably like a year and a half, two years ago, I would not have done that um, because I grew up in a way, you know, my parents were always like, hey, keep it to yourself, you know, uh, don't talk to strangers kind of set up. Um, and you know, people around you really have everything that you want. So I think my, my biggest mistake was really not going out and talking to people and being available to provide value because I didn't know that, hey, if I was able to provide value to people, they would come back and, you know, create a, create a relationship, first of all, but also provide value back to me. Um, it seems something very, you know, simple, but in the scheme of things that have cost me a lot of time and money. Absolutely. And, and what is, you know, what does that trigger in your mind that might come up? Is this, you know, kind of like what you said a year and a half ago, you obviously had some kind of, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it like a self-doubt, but something like, oh, I'm not going to go meet those people. What is something in your mind that you say to yourself when you get that, when you get that, you know, thought come up in your head that, you know, that devil inside of your head, what, what do you do to block that out and just go do it? I mean, what do you say to yourself? Is there something that you say to yourself or? Is yeah, it just... it's, like, it's like what I said, like right before, right? What's the worst that can happen? Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I always say that, like, what's the worst that can happen? If I, um, and that's, you know, that's very rarely going to happen. And if it really does happen, is that really that bad? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So another question is, what book have you given away the most or at least recommended the most if, if there's not one you've given away the most but what book would you recommend so much that it'd be like the one that you would just give away to everybody if you could okay well there there's two books that kind of propelled to to do a lot of things uh for me uh, so one of them is uh reach dad poor dad uh kind of you know changed mm -hmm. my mindset on a lot of things um, and then the other one, which is the book that I give away the most, actually, is uh, the 10x rule. I actually have okay. a bunch of copies behind here, uh, and I'm always <laughs> giving that book away to to people, uh, just because I always think that, you know, people go goes back to the same thing on on goals. You know, people think very small usually, um, and then they they think small, and then they try to pro they try to do things that are small. Um, and it's the next rule. What it really tells you is that, hey, if you want to achieve something, you have to, you know, do the work like you're gonna have to achieve that ten times. That's basically in a nutshell. Um, so if you put ten times the effort, you're gonna maybe achieve what you want. And uh, that was kind of was like for me, you know. And I'm very far away from doing ten times uh, what I should be doing. Uh, mm -hmm. But it's you know, I always try. I read that book at least once a year. And uh, it's tried, always tries to propel me a little bit farther. It's definitely uh, one of my favorites there. 
but if you if you have not read read uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad, that's that's like a classic. Everybody has to read that. Yeah, no requirement in any like call not even college. Like it should be like a middle school like requirement. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I th- I think you're like um, maybe our fourteenth guest to mention the book out of <laughs> like sixteen or seventeen. <laughs> so. Uh, like I, I say, I say that I say this every time. Like there is a reason everybody mentions Rich Dad Poor Dad. So if you haven't read it yet, like let me know, I'll buy it for you. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's 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 definitely a classic. You're gonna learn so much, not only in real estate, uh, but just on like life. You know, mm-hmm. how should you approach life in terms of finances, in terms of connections, relationship? It's no, it's a it's a life's book. It's not, it's not only about real estate, but there is so many real estate nuggets within it. Uh, mm-hmm. And every time you read it, every time I read that book, um, I learn something different, which is also interesting. You know, it seems, oh, I have already read it. It's no, it just talks about, you know, assets, yeah. liabilities. It's super simple. But every time you read it, you get a different nugget out of it. Yeah. You know why that is? Because That's you changed. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's because you changed since the last time you read it. Yeah. Definitely. I think people should, you know, if you've read it, read it again because it's definitely a good one. I'm not the one, the only one saying it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's probably once we get some more numbers, it'll probably be like closer to ninety percent of everybody has recommended it. <laughs> That's my projection. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, and if you're writing the business, the next rule is very good too. So yes, definitely go for that one too. Absolutely. And uh, Renato, is there anything you would like to leave um, our listeners with today before we uh, head out of here? No, man. I just say, hey, if you're in this club, you're probably you know a very good communicator. You're already doing the right thing because you're trying to reach out to other people. You're trying to um, you know create connections. Which, if you like real estate, that's the best way for you to. That's the way for you to get started, right? Um, in anything that you do, you know, create the connections try to always provide value um you can always start real estate by just providing value to somebody there's always going to be somebody that owns something a piece of real estate that they need uh somebody to help them manage or some you know help them find deals uh so you really you don't need money to get started on the business uh what you need is focus and drive Uh, and that it's all on you man so if you have those two things and you're already here, so you're a good communicator and you're looking to create relationships. Um, so you're in a good path. You just have to have focus and drive so you can do it. Very powerful. Awesome. And, and Renato, if any of our listeners have questions, is, is there a, pl- a good place to reach out to you at? Yeah, definitely. So I am uh, in all social media platforms, uh, but the, what I'm most active is my Instagram. So my Instagram is Renato, R-E-N-A-T-O, Jeromel, G-E-R-O-M-E-L-J-R. Um, so you can find me there. Feel free to shoot me a DM. I try to get to everybody's DMs. Um, but that's definitely the best way to reach reach me. And uh, I also have another Instagram, but it's mostly uh, all in Portuguese. So I'm not going to uh, leave that one here because you guys are not going to understand it. But <laughs> you go to mine in there. You can also do some, uh, you you find my other one in there and, and uh see a little bit of what you're doing. Awesome. 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 Thank you. This was, this has been a great podcast, tons of just amazing advice and good stories. So we really appreciate you taking the time to come chat with us. Yeah. I appreciate you guys, man. It's a pleasure meeting yeah. you, Nick. And pleasure meeting you too, Renato. Yeah. Always good. good to see you. All yeah, right. Nice. Let's end Thank it there. You. Thank you. <laughs>